sex parties where just people show up to these sex, they have designated parties and mm-hmm. people just have sex with each other is like a real thing that happens. I'm not in that world. Right. Me neither. Yeah. I do. I have a good story about that. Um, but real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, hi, everybody. How did we even start this? Ring, ring. Yeah. Hi, Joe. Oh, hi, Joey. <laughs> Hello, Mike Lawson. And hello to everybody listening. My name's Mike. That's Joe. I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. Joe lives in L.A. We have been friends for over 15 years, and every single week we call one another and we catch up. Yes, we do, Mike Lawson. Yes, we do. That is what we do every single week without fail. We never miss a week. Yet We've yet to miss a week, Mike Lawson. I know. World's longest. It's it's insane. It's like uh, I, I, I shudder at the time that we, we miss a week. I think people will We're freak like out. The Simpsons. We are the Simpsons of podcasting. Yeah. I think people will free- if Imagine if we didn't show up in the podcast feed for one week. People would lose their fucking minds. Yeah. They would lose their fucking minds. Uh, hey, yeah. real quick, you. I want to finish this though. Yeah. So you were talking about the sex party. I have a friend who's a doctor, yeah. and he was in this weird. He had a friend who like moved away and was also in an open relationship. And they started this Facebook chat mm-hmm. where they brought together. It was like maybe like eight guys, all one at a time, just invited them, and together they all planned to go to Vegas for one weekend and just fuck each other. <laughs> And he's a doctor, like he's a professional man. He's not like a child. Mm-hmm. It's, like, no, no, it's crazy. Mike, me. let me tell you something. The friend I was talking about, he was telling me the other day, and it, it's going to sound funny because it's going to sound like almost like shade, but it wasn't. But he was like, Joe, you would do great at these parties. Um, because he was, and I, I will say I asked. Because I, in I my know, head. In, I feel like you would go and you're like, well, what do you do for work? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I'm trying to talk. You would no, be way too much conversation. No, this friend was telling me, because I thought it was all going to be people who look like John Hamm with a beard. Okay. And he goes, um, there, he goes, those exist. He's like, you'd be surprised how diverse the crowd is. There was a guy who is like very overweight. And there was one guy that I was really attracted to. And I kept trying to make the move on. And he had no interest in me. He wanted to hook up with the super overweight guy. Sure. And I was like, well, really? Everyone has what, you know, their, what scratches their itch or whatever. But I was at the, um, the story I've told on here before, mm-hmm. the back room of the bar where people just are fucking each other out here. The, um, the fuck oh, was yeah. it called? You remember, uh, the power, powerhouse. And, um, the, I, this really kind of like scrawny older, um, Jewish kind of looking man walked out and just dropped his pants. I'm like, what the fuck? And then this really tall, really muscular black guy just stands up and like sticks it in him. And what? And it, yeah. And it was just such an odd match of people. Mm-hmm. But I think, I don't know. It, everyone has something that, you know, every, the things that scratch our itches are diverse and, you know, everyone can get there, I think. Yeah, you know, look, in terms of physical attraction, I hold to the ax- the old Groucho Marx joke, and it, it comes up in, I think, doesn't it come up in Annie Hall? But I don't want to be a member of any club that would, I don't want to be part of any club that would have me as a member. Sure, sure, sure. And I remember, I, I told this story on the show, so I'm not going to totally rehash it, but I went to this uh, gay bar that's known for, uh, it's not specifically like a bigger guy's bar, but it's just known that that's where they hang out. Yeah. And... A, a very attractive, handsome man was literally chasing me around the bar. I was trying to get away from him. He wasn't really my type. I don't really have a th- like. I was telling, uh, it may have actually been my dad, believe it or not. I was telling my dad about how I think Don Lemon is far more attractive than Anderson Cooper. Like, I I'm not really into like the boring white guy. I think Don Lemon is very handsome. Oh, I Don think Lemon's very handsome. I think he's on the same level as Anderson Cooper. Anderson Cooper is like freakishly white, mm-hmm. like so pale mm-hmm. that I like. What does he look like in a t-shirt? I mean, I've seen pictures of him on the street and stuff, and he usually looks a little bronze. But I feel like I don't know if it's the lights of CNN or what, but he is like opaque. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I don't like those kinds of guys. I don't like like this um, you know, the uh, the congressman, the hot congressman Ryan Shock. Mm-hmm. Doesn't do it for me. I don't like the thin-lipped, boring vanilla white guy. Don't don't get me wrong. I like me a white guy. Mm-hmm. I just there's something. So this guy was very handsome, 
Actually, yeah. kind of an Anderson Cooper type. Oh, you know who he kind of looked like? You know who he looked a lot like, actually? A younger Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch. <laughs> okay. Okay, imagine him, but like 35. We have such a very specific audience, by the way. <laughs> I know. So, like, who's understanding all of the references you just laid down <laughs> and wants to hear about gay sex? Hi, <laughs> So... <laughs> <laughs> I have uh-huh. to bleep that. I was like, ah, I always want to do a show where I don't have to edit that much. Okay. Anyway, um, and now everyone's going to be listening to it. <clears throat> everyone's going to be thinking, is it me? So, um, the bleep really is just going to put way too much emphasis on it. <laughs> Such a stupid joke, too. <laughs> so, anyway, um, I don't have a thing for boring white guys. Um, so, or- I. I- <laughs> just kidding so anyway um i i don't even know what we're talking about anymore how how are you doing I, we haven't talked in a long time and what's weird what do you, you mean guys, we've been a week listening yeah what's weird you guys listening joe and i really haven't even talked much since we recorded last right mm-hmm. whole seven days we had a couple of conversations, I guess, but they're very like short text messaging. Here's the thing, yeah. and I, I want to hear about you. Is I'm I'm by the time this episode comes out, I will be wrapping up my uh, three week. Uh, I almost said three week twenty one days, but that's exactly the same thing. I'll be wrapping up my three week cleanse that yeah. I've been on, and the cleanse as. Much as I liked it and wasn't as bad as a lot of cleanses, it did preclude me from really having a social life. Sure. So I haven't really done much in the past three weeks. I do have two stories. Oh, good. More than me. Um, and I might actually, they're, 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 what I've decided to go to is deep in the well in stories that happened in the past mm-hmm. that I couldn't talk about at the time. Okay. So cool. I'm I'm ready to tell those stories, but one of them so both of them are so long, I may only be able to do one of them today. So uh, that's what I think I'm gonna do. But how are you? I'm good. I w- wanted to say though, like I think part of why we haven't talked so much in the last week, or since we recorded last, I um, like have you ever heard that story? Like you never lend somebody money because then at the at the next time you're at a dinner party, they won't want to sit next to you or something. No, I've never heard that before. Uh, like, I don't know the actual like um, saying and how it goes, but it's something like if you lend somebody money and they owe it to you, but they can't pay you back, then they'll avoid you next mm-hmm. time they see you. Yeah. So just give them money if you could give them money, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and I feel kind of like, not that I owed you money, but I felt like in debt to kind of like figuring out when we were going to record again. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I was avoiding even like small talk with you. Cause I was like avoiding the question of like, when are we going to record next? I'll say, this, sense? I'll say this to you on the air and I'll say this to you privately. This show is a hobby. So yeah. like we do the show and we can do the show. I'll be honest right. with you. Like my grandmother, warning to the audience, uh, my grandmother is not doing very well. She's fine, but she's not doing very well. And I wouldn't be surprised if in the next few months, she passed away. I'm not going to come sure. out and be like, hold on, funeral. Uh, I have to uh, rec- sure. talk about my life. So we'll, there might be, you know, there's going to be episodes where we, we just yeah. miss for whatever reason. Sure. Uh, so, um, but is anything going on with you? No. So, I, I mean, you and I have talked briefly about it, but I've just kind of been, like, depressed and, like, going through it. And it's such a shitty thing to complain about, but I think that – what I've kind of concluded is like, I've got nothing to complain about. Like, I don't know. Like I've always kind of been fighting for something. You know what I mean? Like can't pay the rent or. Wait, are you trying to say you're depressed because you have nothing to be depressed about? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've just, I've sort of like carved myself into this job that I do well and is fairly easy and I enjoy. And, Steve is awesome, and I don't know. I can pay my rent, and I don't know. Everything's just kind of like there, mm-hmm. and I feel like I don't know. It's it's it, it's good. It's what I've wanted. I've worked myself here, but I have like no outlet now. Like I don't do anything artistic anymore. You know what? 
you know what? Uh, it just reminds me of a conversation I had with my friend Jonathan, like, sadly, like in 2012. Because he had moved to D.C. in 2009, and then, you know, he uh, started a whole new life. He lived in a whole new city, you know, and got a group of friends. And I remember he was having this sort of crisis at the time because he was telling me that, uh, he goes, you know, my life is very good, but I'm really depressed because everything's exactly, I go, I wake up, I eat breakfast. Yeah. I go to work, I come home, I go to the gym, I have dinner, I wake up, and I repeat that. And then the weekends, it's either a going away party, a birthday party, a barbecue, we go out for drinks, and then Monday, it's the same thing over and over again. Do you sure. think it's sort of related to that? Yeah, and it might be where age, right? Like where I'm at in life. Like, I don't, I don't know. I just don't experiment with anything. I found breakfast that I like. I found a lunch that I like. I wear the same fucking clothes every day. Now, let me ask you this. You know, I was going to talk to you about this off of the air because I didn't know you were going to share this on the air. Sure. But have you considered, and it's something I've been thinking about as well, but have you considered microdosing? Microdosing what? LSD. <laughs> no, 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 but you know about this. No. This is a real thing, and they've been doing serious medical research about this. So, microdosing is... Very, very, I'm going to send you actually, and, and anyone who's interested, yeah, you should download uh, an episode of the show um, Reply All, number 44, called Shine On, You Crazy Goldman. And in it, the reporter, if you will, uh, does microdosing for a little while. And what microdosing is, is very, very, very low, very, very low doses of LSD. You basically take a tab and you soak it in water. And there's a very strict recipe for how to do it. Like you put four drops on one day, but the next day you don't put any. And it's a whole thing. And they talk about it on the show. But you don't get any of the hallucinogenic effects. And what people who do it report is, and it's, you can't really do serious medical research on it because the government banned, it's a banned substance. And they're trying to change that. They want to do serious medical research. But people who've been doing, I guess, casual medical research have seen tremendous results from this where it's been sort of seen as like this cure-all for depression where people are reporting like – and so the reporter goes through it and he's like, just you are – it's just – you just have the raddest day ever. And you don't feel any sort of hallucinogenic effect. You don't start seeing dragons. You just – it just fixes you, you know. Why did he? Why did he stop? Well, okay. So this is my one problem with this episode is he makes a mistake in the dosage. He okay. makes a mistake. I can't remember how he makes the mistake, but if you listen, you'll hear. And so he does get a very, 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 very slight hallucinogenic episode, but like mm -hmm. a mild, just like he just felt weird. And so he's like, sure. I don't know about this. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But he. I don't. I, think, I don't think that that's a bad criticism though like it he, he tried to not make mistakes and he did mm -hmm. and the consequence to him was you know large. like if you're in a meeting and you're seeing things that could really fuck with your job well what's or, really interesting is he car or what's really interesting is he he didn't tell i think he told one person but no one else in his at, at work knew and so he brings them in to interview them and they just think he was like super on it that day so I'm gonna try it. I'll be honest with you. I'm looking. Really? Yeah, I, I'm, I've been curious about it for a couple of years, mm -hmm. and now I've just sort of been like, I've been really, really. I want to try it. I think I'm in a place where I want to try it. Well, I'm interested to hear about it, but be safe when you do it. Well, I'm not gonna be like this guy. I'll do it correctly. Cut to I'm on the news. Am I on the freeway going like I'm a bird? I can fly. <laughs> uh, but uh, but so but so where are we today with the depression? I know, and I know I understand. To me, depression I always feel like it's like an emotional flu, and I'm sure it's more serious sure. than that. And I'm sure Tato the Latte Boy will criticize me for saying that, but but that's sort of always how I've seen it. Well, I mean, like I've I I feel like uh, we we th this isn't like brand new. This is just kind of like a flare up of something that's been there, right? So like I don't know. I don't I. F I'm struggling to even articulate what I am trying to say. But I feel fine. I don't feel like... I, I almost feel just like I don't want to do anything. That's depression. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much it. Uh, I just don't want to do anything. I feel like it's just hard to motivate myself to... 
do something yeah, no, outside of like the routine because the routine com- was complete. Yeah. Like I've you know achieved you know a nice routine that gets me gets everything done. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I've perfected breakfast. I've perfected lunch. I've you know have a good night routine. Everything is like right. Uh, I don't know, but I should. I want to do more. I did. I just took on a freelance job. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't really done probably since I worked on uh, that job with you was mm-hmm. the last kind of like design thing I've done. So it's been a while. I just need to kind of. I need an artistic hobby. Is what it is. Um. Well, you know, I heard about this website called Pretty Witty, and you could uh, go in there and submit stuff to that. I don't know if you'll get on. Remember the actor guy whose website I made? Mike, <laughs> I often go through my photos to like delete them and like clear them out. And I come across that photo all uh-huh. the time. It's not only that photo. And then right next to it is a picture of me doing that photo. Well, we should tell the story. To, tell the story to the audience. So in the early days of kind of web design for me, I... Um, put up an ad somewhere saying that I wanted to do free web design and just to kind of get experience. And this actor contacted me. He was like updating his website. He ended up paying me, by the way, something. Mm -hmm. Um, But he was updating his website. He had a bunch of photos of himself categorized. Mm -hmm. And one of the duties of building this guy's website is he wanted like serious and you in the top header of the web page, serious you click it and it's all his serious photos Mm -hmm. um humorous you click it and all of his humorous photos are there whatever and there was one photo that was so funny and i mean this is joey like 2000 i don't know one 2002 yeah that long ago yeah like sending photos wasn't as easy as as it is now but i emailed one of them to joey and it was the the actor holding was it a cigar or was what Wait, was, was there something real in his fingers? Now you're making me want to go look for it. You have to go see it then. Yeah. I I don't remember, but basically it's kind of like a Groucho Marx looking like he has, in my head he has a cigar, but it totally could be his hand is empty. And he's making like a open mouth kind of grin with his eyebrows raised. Yeah. And, and he's holding Joe like either so a cigarette funny. or a cigar. It, it's going to take me a good while to find it. And then um, eventually Joe sent me one back. And so we have the two of them. I'm yeah, but then I, I, I did it fairly a, a few years ago. That's why it's on my phone somewhere. A few years ago, I recreated it again. Like you, I think you found the picture somehow. I think you stumbled across it again. And then you yeah, just sent it to me. Files. Yeah, and then you sent it to me. And then I sent you back a recreation. So that's why they're right next to each other uh, on my phone. I can always take out the silence. So. I'm looking at the guy's IMDb. Oh, you found You remember his name? Yeah. He was in an episode of 90210. Oh, when that, he came back. When? Oh, Hawaii Five O. He's done some stuff. Oh, even recently? Yeah, like 2012. When was the last time he did something? He has a show in post-production from 2016. And oh, he was uh, on the TV show First Kill. He played a police dispatcher. <laughs> I wonder what I he know. looks like. Oh, okay, okay, up, oh, found it. Okay, he really does have a cigarette. I'm gonna send it to you. Okay. I wonder. Wouldn't it be so funny if he used that on his IMDb? <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder if IMDb if we could just submit it. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, oh, it is a cigarette. I got that. It is I mean, a yeah, yeah, yeah. I was kind of wrong, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> some of his photos, he's handsome, and then some he's, like, really not. He's kind of actually, in that wacky photo, he's kind of handsome. Yeah. But. In a very 1996 kind of way. In some of his photos, he looks kind of, like, Greek or, like. I don't know, darker, mm-hmm. and I feel like he's more handsome in those. And then others, he looks like, I don't know, basic white boy with blondish, brownish hair. <laughs> um, what's going on with you, Joey? Do you have any stories that you really have been aching to tell me that you pulled out of the vault? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, unfortunately, you know this story. Oh, okay. Uh, it's, a, it's about a friend I've never really talked about on the show because we had lost touch. 
but his name's Timothy. Mm-hmm. And um, I just a preface because there are people who know Timothy's story is at the time that it happened, and I was still with Cameron when this happened. So Cameron will play a little bit of a role in this story. Tiny, tiny special appearance by Cameron. A friend that I know that that works in this field that we're going to talk about had advised me at the time not to talk about it on the show. I was going to talk about it on the show, and I was going to stick primarily to my how I felt, okay? Okay. And I'm still going to do that. I'm still going to talk about the emotions that I went through and all the drama that I went through and, and whatnot that involved Timothy. But um, Timothy, you know, now is uh, on the path to recovery and is doing a lot better. And so even today, I double confirmed today, but uh, while we were not recording uh, in the in the seven days in the past week when we weren't recording, he had told me he, he was like, he said, he asked me, he goes, did you talk about it on your show? And I said, no, I didn't talk about it. He goes, oh, I think you should. I think it's important for you to talk on the show about what I went through. And then I said, okay. And then I called him again today. He's like, I don't give a shit. Talk about it on the show. But... I was, uh, I remember I was with Cameron. We had gone to breakfast somewhere. It was, it was like I was on this health kick. And uh, we walked two miles. No, you know, we took an Uber two miles to breakfast, but then we walked the two miles back. And we were on our way back. And he was being really strange, Timothy was. You know, he would call me and try to tell you something, but he goes, I got to go. And then not tell me. I was like, whatever. And then finally he's like, we're walking back. Cam and I are walking back to the house and he goes, are you alone? I go, no, I'm with Cameron. And he goes, can you get away from Cameron? And I go, uh, and Cameron's like, I'll just walk ahead of you, which isn't hard to do by the way. And so he's probably like, Oh, thank God. I'll walk at the snail's pace from this lumbering elephant. Okay. So Cameron walks ahead and, and Timothy tells me, and he, he gets very, very emotional. And I'm like, I really am like, what what's going on? Like, I, I really don't know what's going on. Yeah. And then he informs me that he's HIV positive. Mm-hmm. And I remember, because I've known Timothy since we were both very young, you know. And I cried. But and I, funny, because I talk about a version of this on RuPaul's Drag Race Recap this week. I didn't cry because he had HIV. I do realize that HIV, as even though it's a difficult disease, is a treatable one. Sure. But it was just, I knew what he went through to tell me. Because one of the things he told me later was that I was the first person he told. He had known for two years and hadn't told anybody. And I was the first person he told, so it was the first time he had ever said it. He had worked with a therapist, you know? Yeah. And I am glad I was there for him. But what was he taking? I don't remember. Was he taking care of himself up until that point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, he's still taking. Well, except for what we'll hear about this in a second. Yeah. But um, until. Yeah, he was in very, very good shape and um, really taking care of himself, being very, very diligent. But then he and I started talking. We hadn't we hadn't we hadn't really spoke. We had had a falling out when he called me. And not when he called me. Before that, we had had a falling out. So we hadn't spoken in a few months. And so he was calling me more and more now. But I noticed he was being super, super strange and super, super weird and, like, talking a million miles a minute. And I just chalked it up. And this is probably still true. There was probably an element of this. I chalked it up as to the catharsis that happens when you've held this secret in for two years and you've never told anyone, and now you're free to talk about it with at least one person. And during this time, he was going through the process of telling people. And I would tell friends that, like, I'm really worried about his mental well-being because he would call me and he would just... It's like I would pick up the phone and be like, hello, and he it would be like... I'd be like you, Mike. I'd be like, hello, and then he would just start talking and not stop. Yeah. I think you know what that's like. Yeah, so like doing it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's too easy. I'm not even gonna. Everyone listening knows. So, this continued for the summer, and it continued. Uh, Cameron and I broke up soon after he the HIV revelation. I think it was like two or three weeks after he and I broke up, and 
Um, but and and Timothy helped me through that and uh and was there for me, but was again still talking a million miles a minute, just blah 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 blah. And you'd constantly talk about this guy Maxwell. Maxwell this yeah. and Maxwell that, Maxwell this and Maxwell that, Maxwell this and it was like I was like, who the fuck is this Maxwell? And I would say by mid-July, I started to think I I I basically was like, I think Maxwell's like a Tyler Durden. Sure. Like I th- I'm, I think he's made up, right? Mm-hmm. And so so Timothy has these two friends. Uh, I'm not going to give their names. I'll just say R and J. And I don't want to make up names for them. But R and J are his two friends. I'd never spoken to them, but I was so worried that I found a way to get a hold of them. And and again, that's a whole other saga of trying to get a hold of them through Facebook. Yeah. But I get a hold of R and J, and I'm like, listen, I'm really worried about him. And they're like, okay, well, and I was like, and they're, but they were very kind of like, okay, like we've heard about you drama kind of attitude, right? Well, by mid-August, he starts accusing me of talking. He figures out about RNJ that I spoke to RNJ. He goes, I know you spoke to RNJ. He starts accusing me of things, and he goes, and I'm gonna tell them things about you. And he just gets really, really weird. So in mid-August, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have to disconnect from you because this is getting really, really intense. And I really think you need psychiatric help. And, you know, I basically thought he was on the verge of a mental breakdown because Timothy was always one of these people. And and you know him, Mike, that appearances were very important to him. So in my head, Timothy had a mental breakdown because appearances were so important to him that this HIV diagnosis and having to tell people just pushed him over the mental edge. And he was just too stressed out. With, like, his character, that isn't, like, far-fetched. Like, it seems like a reasonable story. Yeah. So I I disconnected just thinking, like, we'll connect when he comes down. You know? Because, remember, he was having a a summer of of telling people one by one. And I just figured he was getting too stressed. We we didn't talk for, like, a month. And then about mid-September, so, so like, a a year ago. Over a year ago. Yes. Yeah. Okay, okay. And then... Uh, almost exactly a year ago to the day I'm at home hanging out and I get a direct message on Instagram from an ex-boyfriend of his, a a British ex-boyfriend of his. Okay. Okay. Who he and I did not get along. The the British ex-boy British guy and I didn't get along. So I was like, that's fucking weird. (laughs) So I, he goes, can you talk? And I go, yeah. And he tells me, I'm trying to get a hold of Timothy, and we were supposed to hang out this weekend. I'm in town. He's avoiding me, and he's being super weird, and he won't stop talking. And I go, listen, Timothy, I've been dealing with this for all month, three months. He got really mad at me when I called him and hung up on me. I go, look, just give him a few minutes and call him back. He's fine. I just think he's he's just really going through it, you know? Uh, uh, British guy knew his diagnosis. So he goes, okay. And so then I go about my day. Not my day, but my evening. Talking to Adam Vaught, you know, doing stupid shit, whatever I do at night. I don't know what I was doing. But then British guy calls me. Okay. Two hours later. And he's like crying. He's sobbing. Mike Lawson, he is sobbing. He's sobbing like he can't breathe. Crying. I'm really worried. He he told me that uh, Timothy told me that he he he's seen people in his house, and that there's an old lady staring at him, and that the gym across the street is trying to send him messages. And 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 by this point, it's 10 p.m. Uh, in Los Angeles. Timothy lives on the East Coast, and I was like, oh shit, this is drama. Yeah. So I go, okay. So I go, I'll, I'll, so I call RNJ, but of course their phones are off because it's one in the morning, their time. And I literally like call everybody that I know who lives on the East Coast. The entire East Coast was covered by phone calls. I realize a different ex boyfriend lives in the same city. So I call that ex boyfriend. I wake him up. He's like, uh, an ex boyfriend of Timothy. Of Timothy's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, a different ex boyfriend that lives in the same city. And I have his number. And I, he was like, what's going on? Well, we have like one mutual friend. I'll call him. I couldn't sleep the whole night. I didn't know what was going on. No one can, I didn't know Timothy. Timothy had just moved. So I didn't know his new address. It was, just, it was like a perfect storm. Yeah. And 
like I was up the whole night. This is like 10 o'clock my time. Finally, like at four or five in the morning, my time, the friend calls, the mutual friend. And he says, hi, Joe, this is so-and-so. Can you tell me what's going on? And I was like, okay, blah, 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 blah. This is going on. He's like, huh. He goes, okay, uh, I know where he lives. I'll go, I'll go check in on him, right? Yeah. And I'm, gr- I'm all great. Maybe an hour later, the mutual friend texts me. And he goes, really weird. I show up to Timothy's house. Jay of R&J gets there at the same time as I am. And is like, what are you doing here? And he's like, and basically, Jay got my voicemail and decided to swing by to check in on Timothy. He goes, we're, we're going up right now to his apartment. Then, like, ten minutes after that, he goes, we're with Timothy, and we've called the police. What's going on? Well, well that's part one. <laughs> What's going on with you, Mike Lawson? That's it. I don't, <clears throat> I don't have any other stories. <clears throat> Unless. Well, you know what else we can talk about? We have a little break here. We can talk about this together. Well, okay. What? It's my other story. Which is a little, a little bit of a lighter note. So, okay. So, as we know, I work in the test prep business. Yeah. So, and I've actually, I'm in the process and have been in the process for months. It's so fucking tiring of forming a nonprofit corporation. Oh, right. Yeah. And actually have a big meeting tomorrow. This is why Mike and I would usually record tomorrow, but recording on a Thursday night. And... Um, but the way the commercial test prep business is like when you do test prep for a living, there's basically, especially when you're like a private person, there are windows of opportunity for you to get your clients. Okay. And generally they're in the fall or in, uh, late spring, early summer. Those are the two windows. Okay. And that's going to determine your next six months of work. All right. Sure. It's seasonal. It's like, um. If you were a snow shoveler. Yeah. So it's or ve- a go ahead. Yard work clipping guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so it's very very seasonal. Well, for up until last year, I was doing contract work. I was doing consulting. And that consulting gig took me till mid-November or something. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't think two steps ahead or and I didn't get new clients. And so in the fall, I realized I don't have any clients for the next six months. Okay. I have no way of making money. Right. So I did something that uh, I was very embarrassed about and very ashamed of. Prostitution. I, prostitution horses. And uh, no, no, actually, I would rather be a prostitute, as you know, is yeah. I drove for four months for Uber. Sure. You know? I don't really know why you're embarrassed. I don't know why it. I'm embarrassed about it either. Maybe because, you know, sure. well, because I don't know, because I feel like what I do is such a noble, honorable thing. And to be like, oh, now I drive for Uber just seems like a major step down, which, by the way, I so just FYI, I drove for Uber for four months when I was sure. able to get more clients again. Then I stopped. So I drove for to four make months. Exactly. Meet. Yeah. I drove to make ends meet for four months. NBD. NBD. No big deal. One of the roughest things ever during those four months, and Mike Lawson knows this. Was waking up and putting pants on. Waking up, putting pants on. But also, how many fucking amazing stories that I have every fucking day that I drove for Uber. Just the most amazing, amazing stories. And I couldn't tell them on the show because I was so embarrassed that I was driving for Uber, which, by the way, if I was smart, I would have used this platform to give my Uber code, and people could have started driving for <laughs> Uber or something like that, and or like maybe even like signed up for Uber. I would get all this money and shit, but I didn't. Yeah. And um, every day I had a fucking story. Every day I had at least one story. In fact, what would always make me laugh is when I'd get it, when I'd actually taken Uber, I would talk to Uber drivers, and they would go, "Any good stories?" I'm a fellow Uber driver, and they'd be. Like, no. And I'm like, I, I have a story every day. I have a different story every day. There was, um, 
And I'll let you do from if maybe there's some you remember, Mike. But there was the ones that come to mind. Right, I always remember different ones every day. There was the guy whose wife tried to kill him, and he was showing me the scars. There was the gay guy who paid me a premium just to drive him around the city so he could sober up before he drove home. There was um, well, I th- my favorite. My favorite was the one guy who got in the car and was like speaking loudly in Chinese and then realized oh my god I forgot care. that story <laughs> I forgot that story See, I, I knew they were sorry I forgot okay <laughs> okay so one time <laughs> I it was an uber pool which by the way uber pool is the fucking worst which I you know what I'm gonna give uber this because technically I guess I'm still a driver so I get their emails of like the 18 months of change or 108 days of change or whatever they are fixing a lot of the problems that I hated while I had uber okay but um one time I was doing an uber pool for those of you who are not super familiar with it uber pool is uh, a service where it's essentially like a carpool. And so if you pay, you're going to pay a low, if you're a writer, you're going to pay a lower price, but you have to realize that on the way to your destination, there is a very strong chance that they're going to have to pick up another writer or two writers, which okay. is not going to be the most direct way to your destination. But if you don't have a set time to be there, it's a very cost efficient way to get there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe you'll meet a friend. Maybe you'll meet a friend. Here's the deal. Most of the time they were horrible people. I hated them. Cheapskates. They were cheapskate. Ugh, I could tell stories about Uberpool for days. Okay? Yeah. But the one you're talking about is, and maybe you might remember details I don't remember, but it was me, two white people, and then an Asian guy. Sure. Right? Sounds right. That sounds right. And the Asian guy gets in the car, and he's having, like, a super, super loud conversation, and I don't know which Asian language he was speaking, but a very loud conversation in his native language. Yeah. And then at a certain point, I guess he figured what he was going to say was very personal. So he covered his mouth and started whispering in the same Asian language. So he was like, I don't want to impersonate the Asian language. But it was like, you know, like Chinese, 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 Chinese. And he looks around, he goes, Chinese. <laughs> Chinese. 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 Well, you never know if, who knows Chinese. That's true. That's a good point, you know. But it yeah. was just, but to me, like, even if you did, you'd be paid more attention, you know. Right. Um, so that was one of the stories. One of the ones that I ended up telling a lot, too, was, um, well, that, we, that another Uber pool ride story was in the morning. And... Uh, I pull up to this house, and there's this really hot guy, he's probably about 25, stumbles out, walk of shame. Oh, no, no, but you, you see, when you're the driver, you see, like, the person's name, right? And yeah. it says, like, this one said, like, Kathy, or something like that, right? And so I pull up to the house, but then there's, like, hot 25-year-old stumbles out, and he comes into the house, he goes, Uber? And I go, and I was always very careful, and I was like... Yeah, uh, because it was clearly a man and it was a woman's name on there, I go, what name are you here for? Because it's not unusual for someone to call an Uber for somebody else. And he goes, what? And I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the name of the person that called the Uber? And he goes, listen. He gets his voice. He looks, because the chick, Kathy, is standing, like, on the porch. Yeah. And he goes, I hooked up with this chick last night and I don't know her name. <laughs> and I go, okay, get in the car. <laughs> but also like she's buying him an Uber. And uh, yeah. Well, girl, I think Kathy was like my age. It was definitely a, a May, December thing. He was okay. really hot too. Oh my God. Ugh, I wouldn't have let him go. He would have sure. been in my, my personal prison. But the story that I land up telling a lot even though I, I'm telling you, I have so many. I, you see, you remember the one about the, the... I forgot that story. One night, I was actually ready to be done. I, I hated doing Uber pool. But, like, what I used... Okay, so Uber for drivers often has... I don't know if they still do it. I haven't driven a long time. But they used to do these incentives. So if you drove a certain number of rides and they set them out of time, you'd get this huge bonus. Sure. Didn't matter how long the ride was. You just had to complete that number of rides. So often when I wanted to build up rides... I would drive to UCLA 
it was a brilliant move because UCLA kids will take an Uber from like their car, like building to their car. Yeah. A building to their car or to the other side of campus. So if you're trying to build up a bunch of rides, it's an amazing way to get that number of rides is to go to college because people, especially on a rainy day, fuck. You're yeah. going to get so many short little rides, and I would build up my number really fast. It wasn't to make money that day. It was just to get numbers for the bonus. So, In fact, the last thing you wanted was a long ride, and I didn't want, right. want a long ride that day. And so it's night. I'm actually getting close to finishing. I, would dri- I wouldn't drive very late. And I get a call, and I'm at UCLA, and it's an Uber pool. I'm like, perfect, great, thank you. It's going to be a short ride. And I show up, but I show up into that, but I'm in like a super, the area right around UCLA is very, very ritzy. Okay. Like the Playboy Mansion is kind of by UCLA. And I am in this super, super ritzy, nice neighborhood. Okay. And I pull up and for a guy, I'm picking up some guy like Kevin, I'll just say his name is. And I pull up and I'm waiting there. Now on Uber Pool, I think this is a new thing now with regular Uber too. There's a little timer that comes on. And if you don't come out in that time, you have to go. The driver has to go. You forfeit the ride. You make a little bit of money, and then you're done. And I used to love those, too, actually. I was like, oh, thank God. Because to me, if they weren't coming out in time, they're a problem. Right. You know? (laughs) So I just just avoided a problem. So anyway, it's getting close to the two minutes, right? It's it's, It's like 10 seconds left. And the door in front of the house where they opens up, and this man and this woman, they come into the doorway, right? And then she starts Yeah, she open he opens the door, she walks out, and then I just see shadows. And then she starts walking away. She comes halfway to me, and then she turns around and she walks back to him. And she goes, She starts screaming. I don't know what she's screaming at first because it took me by surprise and I wasn't paying attention. But I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So I look and she goes, I just remember when I finally tuned in and could hear what she was saying. She goes, you're going to fuck me. You're going to fuck me for $100, $100. And she starts like beating the shit out of him. Right. And I'm like, holy shit, what the fuck is going on? And then he just like takes his hand and he just slaps her. So oh, hard, shit. and she stumbles back, and then he just goes inside the house and slams the door. Okay. Right? So she goes, so then I'm like, uh-oh. So then she, yeah. like, I'm like, uh, I mean, actually inside, I'm just, I, I remember actually what I really did, it, for real, is I just, like, banged my head up against my window. Because I wanted to go home at this point, right? I was just like, ugh. And she, like, marches to the car. She's dressed like a pussycat doll. Okay. Like, Which like, one? I don't know, but the one that wears like the little newsy cap. She's wearing a newsy cap. Okay. And she gets in the car and she goes, sorry. (laughs) Bad dad. Yeah. Sorry, you didn't hear that. And I go, but I'm very like, you know, taxi cab confession. I'm like, no, no problem. And I start the ride. Now you have to understand something. Again, if you don't drive for Uber, until I start the ride, I can't see where you're going. Sure. I just know you're going somewhere. Yeah. So as soon as they've the- changed, they've changed that a little bit oh, too. Have. Where it'll alert you if it's if like the time it'll take you to get to the destination is over a certain amount of time. Oh, okay. It'll tell you. See, they're and you have things. the opportunity to like take it or not. Yeah, they're improving things. Cut to I drive for Uber again. So um, I hit the start button, but now it shows me going literally. When you know you say oh, around the corner, but it's like no, 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 literally around the corner. And I go, are you going around the corner? And she goes, no. I goes, she goes, I'm going to, and I can't remember what city, but it was very far away. Okay. Like Long Beach, right? Uh-huh. And I go, oh, fuck. And I go, do you have an Uber? Because it's not. She goes, no, I don't have an Uber. I don't, I don't, I don't have any. I don't, I don't have anything like that. And I go, she goes, I can't go back there. I mean, you know, I can't yeah. go back there. He's the one that ordered the Uber. And I go... Oh, he, and he chose the destination around the corner, I bet. Yeah, right? maybe, maybe he changed it or something like that. Because like, he's her. a dick. Yeah, fuck yeah. her. So, I'm like, I don't know what to do. So, I was like, fuck. Now, I'm really pissed. Because now, I'm going to have to drive her far away maybe for I'm, free. You could drive her to, like, the closest, like, grocery store or something, couldn't you? Oh, uh, she... 
Yeah, she, she, I think she had no phone. It was like a whole, of course, a fucking hot mess, right? I don't think I would have drove her all the way. I was, well, I was prepared to. And then I went to go turn off the app, right? Yeah. To basically say I'm done for the day, to drive her fucking ass home. And an Uber pool came right in at that moment. Like, literally, when I went to go tap it off, uh-huh. it came in at that flash second, and I took the ride. Okay. And I was like, ugh. <laughs> and now, at the time, now I think about it, I should have just canceled it. But I was like, but I was at UCLA. And this was, I saw, it was in UCLA, right? And I yeah. go, look, I'm just going to do this UCLA ride. Just you pretend you're one of the Uber pool people. I go, they won't know. Sit in the front seat, and I'll just drop them off, probably just across campus. Yeah. And uh, it, it'll be fine, and I'll take you home. And she goes, okay. So she gets in the front seat. We drive to UCLA. It's these two German people. Okay. And they're like, guten Tag. And then I hit the <laughs> and it's a car. It's an Uber pool. Uh-huh. And this is going clear on the other side of town. Vegas. Like, yeah, Las Vegas. Like Mike Lawson, it might as well have been Las Vegas. It like she's in Long Beach. Like that's that's on the east side. Uh-huh. Far away. They're on the furthest west you can get. Okay. And I go, I need to take them to this place. And yeah. she goes, she starts crying. And she's like, I can't go there. I just want to go home. I just want to go home. She starts crying. I go, fuck me. So I go. So I, the, the, the Germans are like, what is this? What's going on? You know, and why is there another person? They have to explain Uber pool to the German. They don't know what it is. Yeah. Uh, and which, the, the thing with the people who took the Uber pool, don't let me start in here. The thing with the people who took the Uber pool that always pissed me off <laughs> was. They act like they're being inconvenienced yes, by yes. the service they chose. The service they chose. And they would go like, wait, what? And then they go, what is this? And I go, why do you think it was cheaper? Do you think Uber just has a cheaper ride? Like, why do you think it's cheaper than the Uber X? Why? I want to know what you thought you were getting. Sure. You know? What did you think you were getting when it was like, the Uber X is $6 and this is $1.50? What do you think? Why do you think it's a dollar? They just, they just want to have a fifty one? You know? Are the people smart enough to choose an option that everyone else <laughs> Yeah. And they were always, she was, they were so angry that they had to pick up other people. Cause, so anyway, so I'll, I'll get back to that in a second. So she's crying. I go, you know what? So I fucking pull over the germans are confused and i order her an uber joe right on my uh-huh. on my tab i go look i'll call yeah. uber they'll take care of it taking all of your profit from the day I'm taking my profit from the <laughs> two days yeah i go i'm gonna call you an uber and i did an uber pool i'm not dumb <laughs> right i i ordered uh-huh. her an uber pool and i said someone will pick you up in two minutes and they did okay okay and um how the, much did that cost you? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was like $10. It wasn't that much. Okay. But then I called Uber. Here's the best part is that so I called Uber. I called, this is what happened. Oh, okay. And they call me and they go, you know, we want to, th- that is exactly, we need, you know, driver partners like you. This is the best thing you should have done. So what we're going to do is, yes, we are definitely going to refund you those $10. And we're going to reward you with a $5 credit So for an Uber ride. Like five dollars, <laughs> like twenty dollars. I don't know. Well, what if you need a ride around UCLA campus? Yeah, what? Like, what is a five dollar Uber credit going to get me? Right, five dollars wouldn't. Well, no, now it wouldn't get me to work for sure. Mm-hmm. But even when I worked close enough to walk to work, it five dollars wouldn't have got me there. I think that's like a seven dollar Uber ride. Yeah, a five dollar credit, and like by by the way, something that would have like. Imagine if this would have gotten the paper. I would have been like, uh, we're going to give you a reward of $100 on your next paycheck or something like that. I don't know. $5. It was so it was almost insulting. Did you just say, what if your heroism got in the newspaper? No, 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 no. No, if I had made the wrong choice. Oh. Like, if I was like, bye, bitch. <laughs> and like, just, and like, Uber driver leaves beaten woman stranded in, in you know, got West you, L.A. No, that's why I meant like they avoided a major drama here, you know. So that that was that was a story. So many with the Germans, by the way, they were so mad. I kept picking. <laughs> they were so unlucky in that I picked up so many people on the way because they were so far away. There were so many people I kept getting calls from all the whole way over to um, 
their German the, yeah, destination. The, yeah, to their destination. They kept, it kept getting detoured, and they were so mad. They didn't understand what Uber Pool was. So, do you have any Uber stories, Mike Lawson? No, I do have a San Francisco story I want to tell before you finish your personal story, though. Is that okay? I don't know if I'll finish it this week, Mike. We're already almost at an hour. Um, so an actor named Rob McClure was in a show here in San Francisco called Something Rotten, which we've talked about. Mm-hmm. And he did – I think this is kind of cowardly, but I want to know your opinion. So after the show left San Francisco, he posts on Facebook, Dear San Francisco, I hope you know that I love you and I want to talk about cable cars and Alcatraz, Bridges and Bays, Muir Woods, Angel Island, Full House, Miss Doubtfire, The Majesty, That Is You, but I can't because I worked in the Tenderloin every day. This neighborhood is so horrific, so ravaged by homelessness, drug addiction, violence, mental illness, etc., etc., and he just goes through his experience in the city and in his defense he does talk a lot about his experience and things he saw not you know just trash talking an area of the city but i feel like for him to post this after he leaves san francisco is cowardly mm-hmm. like post it and then work in the city and kind of like stand up to the crowd that you know you're kind of like i don't know it's our city you're kind of shit talking it. I don't know. It just feels like really backward and cowardly. But I was wondering what you think of that story. Well, have I, you heard that story before? I had not. And I'm going to turn the question on you because I now remember I saw Dave Chappelle live. Uh, gosh, about in, in the beginning of this year, and I can't remember if he told this story on at that live show or if he's told this on television. But he has his own tenderloin comedy bit. Sure. About his experience in the Tenderloin. It's not a, obviously a positive experience. Thinking about a person taking a shit sure. right in front of him. Lots of public shitting. Lots of public drug use. Tons of homelessness, right? But also, Joey, like, people live there. Like, there's people who that's their neighborhood. And, like, the letter just kind of feels, I don't know, a little bit <laughs> insensitive to that. I see and what you're And it's almost saying. like kind of his privilege that, like... You know, why isn't this neighborhood I work in better? And I don't know. Sorry to disappoint you. And I don't know. Did you ever see this guy walking around the theater? No. Well, he was uh, the lead in the show, Something Rotten. Like, him and his wife are both in it. Mm. And so they were in it. And he really does work in a pretty rough neighborhood. Like, I I work in that neighborhood, too. Mm -hmm. And I see the weirdest shit coming up from the train every morning. But... I don't know. It feels just weird to kind of shit on a town that you just left. You're right. He should have just kept his mouth fucking shut. No, no one needs to know what his opinion. We all know that. Look, you're not. Look, it's not. It's not. It's not a revelation that Tenderloin's a sure. scary area. Or how about instead, like volunteer at the soup kitchen uh, a day and post about that and the people you met and the way other people can help instead of just like here are all the shitty things about this neighborhood. Well. But here's my question to you. Like, you know, uh, I'm in downtown Los Angeles a lot, and there's a lot of homelessness in downtown L.A. But it's almost like walking. This is my experience in downtown L.A. For the most part, for the most part, the scary homeless people are very, very uh, quarantined and isolated. Okay, so you have to, like, make an effort to go into Skid Row, into the area. Two, the homeless people that are just walking around downtown um, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. Are these kind of like zombies? They kind of ignore you? Yeah. And you ignore them? Yep. But in the Tenderloin, my experience of being there even recently with you and Steve is, and I think this is known, that the Tenderloin homeless people are extremely aggressive. Like, it's scary. It's like, <laughs> it's like being a not scary farm, but they actually might touch you. No, I mean, you can tell the ones that are, it's all, it's a lot of mental illness and it's a lot of like people strung out on drugs. And so there are folks that certainly want to interact or like, will you know, get close or touch or spit or stuff like that. But so what do you think the solution is? I'm not saying in a perfect world, let's say for instance, you, you were, you were mayor with unlimited resources in San Francisco. How would you solve this? Well, I think for starters, it's not writing a shamey, ugly post with no no kind of like. Yeah, I agree with you. Guy's an a- that guy's an asshole. Okay, good. Um, I don't know what exactly what the the solution is. I think like drug intervention kind of shit works, right? Um, when it's done properly, I I think that that's a big part of it. It's also, I mean, it's this disgusting kind of like, um, 
two sides of like this weird kind of wealth that's around, but then also just like extreme poverty. It's bizarre. And rent is expensive. And so that makes people then only the things that they can afford are these like single rooms that where they pay like daily or weekly and maybe have to skip a week indoors and live outdoors for a couple of weeks because to live here, it's expensive. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. That's why I'm not the mayor though. Yeah. It's tricky. Cause I think a lot of times, you know, I, I have friends who work for the city of Los Angeles and even in talking to them about the homeless problem, I always find myself and I'm a progressive eventually talking myself into concentration camps. Eventually, eventually, always the people will be like, "I think you're describing a concentration camp." I'm like, "What if we just ship them to another place and they just live there and they can't leave there? It's like in the desert, and but everything you know they're taken care of, and and then they just stay away over there and they have their like they're over there. Like it's yeah. it's dangerously close to concentration camps. Whenever I start proposing my solutions, because I don't sure. know what the solution is. I don't either. I'm not – I mean, I'm, I don't claim to be an expert in this area at all. I just happen to work in a place where I see a lot of people that are sleeping on the street, and it sucks. And I don't think that, you know, the people that I see on the street are bad people and deserve to be shamed by this actor or to be shipped away to a concentration camp if they don't want to go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it is a dangerous neighborhood, and he – like, the things he highlights are all things that I've seen for sure, and – like, he's not lying about his experience here. Um, but, like, I don't know. It feels like his post is saying, like, the city owed him more. Like, he loved San Francisco so much, but he had a shitty experience, and the city owed him something. And the people who are just str- struggling to fucking live every day didn't give him what he wants and how awful that is. I don't know. Um, do you want to finish a story? Do you want to talk no, about what you're we'll doing do it next, next week? week? Yeah, so about, yeah. yeah the, the, look, tune in next week to find out what happened. Why were the why were the police called to, to Timothy's house? Oh yeah, and I will tell you uh, when I heard the story the first time. In my head, I was imagining a scene very similar to that uh, scene in Ghostbusters Two when the painting comes alive in the top of the tower. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> It looked a lot like we're that like in my head. we're like the key master and and like uh, Sigourney Weaver's like flying. Yeah, you know what? It, it wasn't that different. Yeah. So tune in for that. Do you have anything going on next week at all? Yeah, but what if what if this happens to be like the very last episode of Catching Up? It reminds me of it's, it's stories that I cliffhanger, huh? <laughs> With a cliffhanger like yeah. that. Well, that's what you know. I is always I've always this comes up from time to time, but like Mork and Mindy ended that way. Where they had this really? crazy cliffhanger where um, at the end of it, Mork and Mindy are tumbling through like different dimensions and they don't know where they're going to land. And the, that, was, that was the cliffhanger for the season. But then they got canceled. Then they got canceled. And so like literally the end of the show is them just tumbling through, <laughs> <laughs> through all these dimensions. That's funny. Yeah. They're still tumbling. They're still tumbling. So that could be it. Like it's like people forever will be thinking like, what happened to Timothy? You have to find out next week. Uh, n- uh, this week, I have a huge meeting in LA. Everyone, cross your fingers that by the time you listen to it, the meeting will be far, very over by that point. But let's all pretend like it's not. And then uh, on Saturday, my cousin and I are going to go see my sick grandmother. And hopefully, we don't bump into any wolves along the way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that took me a second. <laughs> yeah, and then on, uh, let's see, then my cleanse is over. Ugh, and I can start eating bananas again and gluten and dairy. It's a whole thing. We'll talk about the cleanse next week, too. What about you? Uh, well, my cleanse is almost over. Just kidding. And I, to be honest, nothing, nothing, Joey. Um, just <laughs> Nothing we're talking about on here anyway. <laughs> it's just boring shit. Lots of same old boring shit. And I'm sure I'm going to have some really great stories. Yeah, time. that always means a good story when you have nothing going on. I can't wait for another one of your classic Mike Lawson adventures. Yeah. All right. Well, nice catching up with you, Joe. Go to hell, Mike. Thank you for listening to another episode of Catching Up. 
Find a new episode each week at cupodcast.com, in iTunes, or in the Stitcher Smart Radio app. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash cupodcast. Follow us on Twitter at cupodcast. Email us at guys at cupodcast.com. Or call our listener line at 510-239-7798. Use action to defeat worry and fear. Do something to change what can be changed, and you'll no longer be afraid.